Welcome to Table Talk, where we discuss issues of faith, culture, and the church. Here's your host, my dad, Jerry Bertelson. Welcome to the table, friends. I have a very special guest here today, a dear, dear friend of mine who goes by the name of Seth Deckinga. Seth and I have known each other for the better part of almost 15 years now. We both went to University of Sioux Falls and attended uh, college there. We both studied theology and philosophy. Seth uh, then went on and studied at Sioux Falls Seminary, and since then he has been a worship leader in churches. He has been a um, leader of a nonprofit that helps churches and the community um, facilitate a, a deeper worship life in uh, in their churches. And so I am here with Seth Deckinga, and it is my honor, Seth, that you are here. So thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is exciting. I feel a little bit, um, what's the right word here, out of my element, um, sitting in front of a soundboard when you are usually the one behind the soundboard and making everything work their magic. So, uh, Seth, when I think of you, one of the things I think about is Mr. Tech. Were you a techie kid growing up? You know, I don't remember so much being a techie kid, um, you know, in my childhood so much. Um, but definitely getting into high school uh, and college when, you know, even when, you know, computers, technology, internet, all of that was becoming uh, more prominent. And even in high school, uh, sound systems and projection, you know, was starting to be uh, more more commonly used in churches and youth groups and stuff. And so I definitely started to get into it more like in my high school years. So did you... Um in your church growing up, have the projector that was like the overhead projector. overhead projector, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Were you we, drawn to that? Was that your first? I helped make and um, <laughs> whatever, display or project, like, you know, change, you know, between songs, you'd change sheets or you'd print off the transparencies for the overheads and all that. Those oh, were yeah. great. Those yeah. didn't, like, malfunction. Unless no. the light bulb burned out. Yeah, you'd have to replace the bulb every once in a while. Or <laughs> sometimes, you know, your transparencies would, you know, you'd have to replace or reprint or whatever. Or re, some, you know, a lot of times we'd even have to just hand write. Like if we didn't have a um, computer or printer wasn't working and you'd literally just, with a, with a dry erase marker or whatever kind of marker, uh, sharper even sometimes just on a blank transparency and just write out the lyrics to a song or a verse or whatever it was that you wanted to project. So That was your first introduction into tech in, in the church? One of the I think first? so, yeah. yeah. Yep. So being drawn to tech, did that happen in the church, or was it something that happened both in and outside the church, but then you began to be drawn more into it, into the life of the church? Yeah, I think it primarily, uh, I was primarily drawn to it inside of the church, you know, being the overhead projector thing and um, being involved in music in high school, um, in in school, but even, you know, in the church. Um, I was involved, like, on the praise team singing and uh, playing bass guitar at the time. And so involved, like, from a techie standpoint, just musically being involved. And so um, specifically what I was drawn to in high school, aside from, you know, being involved with the transparencies and all that, was... <laughs> Um, 
playing on the worship team, uh, I connected with a sound person uh, at our church who helped with youth group and Sunday mornings, and uh, and he just he allowed me to or or whatever. I don't remember if I was curi- if I was like really curious or if he just you know was wanting to have some people help or whatever. But in whatever case, I, was, I remember being drawn to uh, the soundboard and even like learning how to uh, wrap up cables and different things like that. And so. Uh, just slowly learning like a little bit about sound and how things uh, were hooked up and how things worked in the sound system. Um, so sound was a big thing that I kind of got uh, got into in high school and just learning some of the basics. I never, uh, I, I still don't consider myself an expert by any means, um, but have just kind of slowly learned about sound over the years. And then the other thing that I was drawn to in high school that was more outside of the church was the photography uh, I was really interested and curious about photography. Got like an old film camera, uh, which you know was more common at that time um, when I was in high school. But uh, just dabbling with photography and learning, you know, just kind of being kind of a from a creative standpoint, you know, dabbling with art and creativity through photography and framing and composition and that sort of a thing. Did you find the church to be a welcoming place that embraced the? artistic side of you and the the sound techie side yeah I, I don't know that I recall it one way or the other I feel like um, I feel like they embrace me to a point I mean I, I feel like I remember more of the techie side of it and being more involved with that and helping out in that way I don't remember a lot of you know I guess uh, participation in the church or things you know that I or expression through the church I guess through creative stuff other than like musically they were very welcoming but other than that like I I wouldn't say there was necessarily opportunities either for like what I was doing for photography there wasn't really anything happening through the church and good or bad that's just you know it is what it was was. yeah Yeah. right so how do you properly fold or wrap up a a cable, a musical cable. You mentioned that, <laughs> and that jumped out at me. I didn't know there was a right way and a wrong way to do that. I'll, I'll have to show you. It's called <laughs> you over, it's over Under. There's a technique over called under. Over Under. So if you Google Over Under. Yeah, so there's a couple, okay. at least a couple of ways. Um, I've come, like, I remember a few years ago, I actually came across somebody, another a group that was I was helping with sound, and I was helping put some cables away and stuff. And um, it, I had a different way, apparently, of doing it. It, it does the same thing. It's basically rather than coiling a cable like you might do it around your arm or just all the same same way, uh, it basically changed, I don't know, the technical, I don't know if there's any, how to explain it more technically, but it changes the direction direction. uh, of the cable of its coiling so it doesn't just twist and twist and twist so that it is supposed to help the longevity of the cables. So Fascinating. Yeah. That is worth it today. There you go. That's worth it. (laughs) One piece of advice, that's the one. So what is your favorite piece of tech that you own right now oh man uh my camera i have two identical cameras that i use primarily for video but the reason that i got the specific cameras that i got is because of my passion for photography so i wanted to have a camera uh, that would be able to do high quality um, video so i've got it's a sony a7 III uh, the sony alpha series so it's a mirrorless uh, camera so i've got two identical sony a7 III's um, and I have two for the reason, I guess, of doing video shoots so that I can have a two camera. I, I can have a second angle uh, to be able to cut to and have some different shot um, options. 
but that's definitely I think my favorite piece by far um, because I can I can break you know just the simple body of the camera and and one of my lenses I can take it with us if we're out and about exploring or hiking and get some really great pictures or I can kind of you know what you I guess you'd call a rig you know rig it out you know and add like a frame um, and audio adapter mic um, monitor um, you know I've got a little rail system that I can put it on with uh, like a lens and hood and uh, pole focus all these different things that you can add on to it to rig it out as really a big bigger video camera setup for doing video production um, so yeah that's that's my favorite and I right can testify yeah. that Seth has done that in our church in shooting the first video we did uh, during this pandemic, and uh, it was wonderful. <laughs> he knows what he's doing, and I heard so many comments on how, uh, just how well that first worship video, pre-recorded worship service, uh, was done. So kudos to you, yeah, thank you. Seth. Um, so in thinking of the times that we're in this pandemic and many churches, most all churches, I suppose, have gone online. What have you been called upon to help with in churches transitioning from in-person worship to online services? Yeah, well, I guess a little maybe context to that is that, you know, for 16 plus years I've been on staff in churches in the area, uh, serving in worship leadership, associate pastor, um, leadership roles, um, in churches and organizations. And so, uh, and then most recently, uh, through Shift 115 as a worship collective, a uh, community worship ministry, working on building uni- unity in the churches and, and helping uh, encourage and equip people in churches in the area. Um, you know, my, I guess, network, you could say, you know, has been pretty vast. And so I've had a lot of connections um, with a lot of churches and been you know, had the opportunity to connect with and serve so many churches in the area. And so uh, going into this season, this pandemic recently, um, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity uh, to, to connect with lots of churches who, who are trying to figure it out, right? Like, so there's some churches that have the setup uh, to record or stream or whatever they're doing, uh, but there's probably a bigger majority of churches who are like, oh, crap, what do we do? <laughs> and including Life Church, which is where we're members at. So I haven't been on staff in a church for a couple of years now, uh, but I've been volunteering at Life Church where we're members. And, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit the beginning of March or m- right, right at the middle of March when everything started closing down, um, I was in a volunteer position at the church, kind of overseeing tech stuff and helping with ministry, um, worship, tech stuff. Uh, and so they hired me basically part-time to help produce the video content and help lead that, uh, lead them through this with, from a tech perspective. So specifically, um, at Life Church, I've been recording and producing all of the content for pre-recorded, uh, music, prayers, uh, message, anything that we do for, um, I guess our virtual Sunday gatherings is pre-recorded. Um, and then, then also been able to, um, I guess, connect with a lot of churches and help, whether it's field you know, questions like, hey, what do you recommend for this? Um, you know, and since I, you know, again, I, I have a lot of experience and, and knowledge, but at the same time, there's, you know, areas where I know I'm not the expert. And so um, I've been able to then refer them to, um, you know, company or friend or you 
know, church who ha- might have the answer, you know, for them or be able to help them with what, whatever they're looking at. So. so you've helped both with visual stuff, recording services, helping to get people online, get churches online and connected that way as well? Yeah, you know, and some of it is just talking through the process and yeah. asking the questions. Like, you know, most churches, I would say, during this pandemic have have been or gone um, online in some way, whether they're streaming or, or recording content to put out there. Um, but there's also several who haven't been um, who have – I don't know if it's a lot or how many churches, but I've heard of several different churches, maybe some in the area, some just, you know, across whatever uh, in the region uh, who have done a different approach of just doing uh, small group type things. And, and maybe they're not recording or streaming anything, but they're, they're just sending out like, Hey, do, you know, do church in your home or in your small groups, whether it's virtually or, however you're doing it. But so they, some churches have just taken a different approach, but yeah, most of what I've been doing is, um, actually recording, you know, say for example, this week, like Thursday is typically our recording day. So we get together Thursdays and we record music, we record the sermon, scripture reading. Um, what we've been doing lately is we've had different couples or individuals who will record, uh, a scripted prayers of the people segment, and then just record that in their home, on their phones and then they just send it to me and then I edit together with everything else that I record. So we've been trying to do a combination of, you know, the higher quality recorded content that I'm doing uh, with my equipment, but then also uh, adding that or editing it together with some other pieces that people will send in. Let's do a little um, imaginary phone call here. Mm. Imagine I call you and I'm the pastor of a church that only has two microphones, one on the pulpit and one on the lectern. And that's it. Then they're wired. They're not even wireless. And I want to get from that to having the service online on Sunday morning. Walk me through the process of what are some things that I as a pastor and the church can do to help create an online service in a low-budget way, but that also is decent? What are some options that are available? So many. And that's, I think, what's overwhelming for churches is, and, and I think that's why it's helpful to actually talk through. Um, from, from my perspective, I, you know, sometimes people are just looking for a, hey, just give me the solution that we need or that you think we should have or whatever. Um, but I, for better or worse, maybe in some cases, I tend to be more, take a more relational approach and, and I kind of have this guiding sort of a framing question, um, you know, this idea that I've used like in worship school and leadership, you know, that I've used, um, what we've used in worship school anyways, is this as curators of worship, how are we being intentional and authentic in our context? So there's the keywords as curators, um, how are we being the, the next keyword is intentional and then authentic and in our context. And so um, while the first one, curators, is more specific to mentoring and coaching, training with worship leaders, um, the, the other keywords or the question of, you know, in our context, in whatever your church's context, 
um, how are we being intentional and authentic? So intentional, being thoughtful and purposeful, uh, and actually thinking through like, well, what are some different options? Trying to be open-ended about it. Um, so I might, you know, offer or ask some questions to get a little bit, you know, tell me a little bit more about your church and what you guys are like. So, so that gets at the other keyword, authentic, right? Being true to yourself, true to the source, true uh, to who the congregation is. And then that gets into the context, right? So in your church, what does it look like, you know? So um, without like going through that in too much detail, I guess um, my point is I would ask a lot of questions about, you know, about the church and what, you know, what, what do you see, um, where do you see yourself going from here, right? Like it might not make sense to spend 25 grand, even though you might have the money in a fund somewhere to set up this whole production setup. Because uh, one of the questions would be, who do you have for volunteers, you know, that you can either train up, raise up, or are in place to help implement and or execute uh, or maintain and run the equipment um, because you might buy a bunch of equipment to do this live or recorded session or uh, segments, uh, content for your church gatherings, but not be able to really maintain that or have the uh, resources to be able to do that. So uh, specifically, I might offer a few suggestions, like given the example of just having a couple, like a real small small church with a couple mics or something, like you can you can get like a real cheap camera like a Mevo is a really popular inexpensive um, camera that is designed for streaming that you can you can add an external audio source so you could take your soundboard that your mics are running through and you can take the sound from that or what I at, at the very simplest I'd recommend just setting something like a Mevo or an iPhone or something like that just setting that in the room and just letting you know getting the sound from the room through the camera uh, in a lot of cases is better than trying to get it through a soundboard because if you're running it through a soundboard, then you, especially when you add several, like an ensemble or band or something like that, um, or things that aren't mic'd maybe in the room, like an organ or piano that maybe isn't going through the sound system, um, you don't think about those things where all of a sudden you have a whole other uh, kind of stack of responsibilities or things that you have to mix or get sent to, to the camera. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful. I'm, that's just, that's more like um, the process, I guess, the things that go through my mind and the questions. And so starting to ask some of those questions and get at um, what might be most helpful for the church instead of, you know, not as a salesman, like, oh yeah, you could buy this or this or this, but more like, how can this, how can I actually serve you as a church uh, and what's going to be most helpful moving forward? And real quick, like for Life Church, for example, I've got some equipment and some ideas that I suggested to Life Church, but after having more conversations, realized that really the lives like we haven't done, we don't have or don't really plan to have the setup for live streaming. But um, after uh, as we move forward, coming out of I guess you know this craziness, um, and we start to gather in our church building again. Um, we'll still offer a live stream. We've just decided like most churches, you know, kind of in a place where that's really encouraged and really helpful for to maintain connections with the congregations. But we're going to do a really simple, like a Mevo camera or something like that, that doesn't take a lot of resources or, or whatever. Um, so that's kind of where we're at and kind of, I guess, a little bit into my mind. So as simple as getting out your smartphone and recording it is something that, yeah, that, pastor a congregation could do just to get online and then putting up on youtube or 
or a different site is probably one of the easiest places or even yeah. Facebook, I suppose, if somebody has that? Yeah, I think, I think we, a lot of people right now, um, including myself, have been overthinking this. Like, like what are we going to do? Like, we have to get this content out there. But really, I think the bigger question or concern is, like, maintaining the community and the fellowship of believers, right? Like, so I guess that's, that's maybe, you know, sheds a little bit of light of, like, my heart and my experience, like, in technology has been more of a pastoral perspective and leading tech ministry, um, doing technology in the church or, um, or outside of the church, but f- as a pastoral Christian leader in the church or in the community. Uh, and so I think we do, we tend to, I mean, we tend to comp- overcomplicate things anyways, technology or anything else, but especially with technology lately, we're comparing ourselves. Every church is comparing ourselves to like, wow, that church, you know, does this amazing live streams. Like, well, yeah, they're a church of 2,500 and have like a $100,000, you know, set up for production uh, or whatever it is. But um, in a lot of cases, uh, if we just look at um, from a simple perspective, like, hey, I could just throw up a phone and that would be great. Just a great way to in- invite people to connect with what we're doing. And then there's other ways that you can, yeah, you can do it on Facebook, you can do it on YouTube. There's other actual streaming platforms once you get to a point where if you want to do it to multiple streaming um, platforms, like through something like BoxCast or other streaming services. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, I think the challenge right now um, is to not overcomplicate and overthink some of it. Well, I appreciate that perspective to think about technology pastorally because uh, you might hear a, a lawnmower in the background, but we are outdoors listening to the dogs and the birds and the motorcycles, and it's a beautiful day. So <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, but I appreciate that perspective because, you know, I think the temptation with technology is to simply accept it as a complete good without passing it through any filter. And passing it through the filter that you mentioned of, will this facilitate community is so refreshing um, because I, I think so often the, the um, place that I can find myself in is simply to just, you know, the next new thing comes out and you just accept it. You add it on one more thing, add it on to my personal life or life of the church or whatever um, as an inherent good. And not every piece of technology is good. It needs to be, discerned because even if you're connected technologically you know even though you might have a a really good production you might not be connected communally to one another right yeah so you use the phrase curate worship and i've heard you use that a few times before so uh what what is that in person when when you're leading worship in person what does a good curated worship service look like and then what does it look like now online great question um you know several years ago i mean several like 15 years ago or so maybe um i was drawn to a book called the art of curating worship and i might be getting the name wrong but i think his name was mark pearson um in any case you know the the thing that i was drawn to was this for one i think as I was at the time, I'm, I, I was in seminary, uh, and I was working, or I had worked in already more than a couple churches in, um, 
in the area and was working in different ministries and different church contexts. And I think one of the things that I was struggling or wrestling with was was language, right? Like language is just a tricky thing, especially ecumenically when you're going across uh, different faith, um, like denominational backgrounds and, and that sort of a thing. And especially what I was finding in the context of worship ministry and worship leadership uh, in several churches, like say one church, you know, a Lutheran church that I worked in, the worship leader was the person who was reading the text for the day or was giving an homily or sermon um, Whereas in, in my background growing up in a Baptist church and non-denominational churches, um, you know, the worship leader, like a lot of people think of it today and talk about the worship leader is the musician, the song leader, right? And so uh, the thing that I was wrestling with was there's all these different titles and names and descriptions of who we give, you know, there's like all the different musical director, worship leader, worship pastor, worship, you know, whatever, music leader, song leader, all these different titles that we give different people. And so I was really drawn to this idea of, of a curator, um, you know, curate meaning to care for in its most simple, I guess, definition or description in the Latin. Um, and so this idea of a curator of worship uh, really resonated with me as I was encouraging and equipping other people in worship ministries and, and serving churches in different, um, in different backgrounds, different traditions. And so it was the, the idea of, you know, a curator of worship or worship curator or whatever it is, um, was it, it provided for me helpful language to, to teach and to talk with and to serve uh, churches in the area uh, to be able to, you know, to bring these different backgrounds together and say, well, you might call it a worship leader, you might call it a music director, you might call it a song leader, whatever it is, but to be able to kind of, you know, start talking about it as common language of curating worship. So anyways, that's just, I guess, the background or the idea of uh, a curator of worship. And so anyone who cares for, um, you know, coordinating, uh, might not be the person up front, but somebody who is uh, a curator of worship and coordinating, planning, caring for people, community, in the corporate expression of worship together. Um, and so that, that doesn't necessarily have to be the music person. But um, in any case, the idea of, you know, your question, I guess, what does it look like or during this time or during a physical gathering? Um, I think for me the, the best way to think of it is um, probably as, as a very pastoral shepherding kind of uh, leadership. So somebody who's caring for, right? So what does it mean to be a curator to really care for this community and give leadership? Um, I might be planning and coordinating, uh, working with a team, say in a physical live gathering. Um, I might not be the one who's up front, uh, you know, uh, up front leading everything uh, or at all. Um, but in a physical gathering, like that's how I think of it is like I'm caring for the team and I'm caring for the people that we're gathering uh, together who we're leading in worship. And so it's a very pastoral leadership um, that can look a lot of different ways, whether that's very active in like on the, on the stage or platform, on the mic, or more of a background role where they're really giving uh, leadership to the team who is leading. Um, and so now, um, you know, in this pandemic, I think, I think that's the beautiful thing about that I don't know if it's necessarily a model, but the way of thinking, I guess, about uh, 
worship leadership and curating uh, worship is that it helps us to be really intentional and authentic in our context, right? So right now in the context that we're giving, we ask that question, well, our context has changed in some ways, right? Um, maybe not the people and the demographic in some ways hasn't changed, but the context of how we're connecting and how we're gathering, right? I know some people don't like to say like, well, it's not a gathering because we're not in person, but like I still think that there's something about the gathering even though it's a virtual gathering, we're not together in person, it's not a physical gathering, but I think still calling it a a gathering is helpful to keep us connected in spirit. Um, So in some ways, like, um, the thing that changes, I guess, is the the most obvious is that we're just not actually um, doing it in person. The, The hardest thing that's had to change is that, you know, especially for quite a bit of the season, is that we, by and large, you know, most churches have been, you know, we've had to restrict how many people are involved. And so in some cases, some churches are doing it, you know, have been able to space people out on their stages and still do like a live gathering or, or um, live music or whatever, live streaming, kind of like the normal, the way that they would normally. Uh, but in our church, and a lot of churches have had to kind of strip back and strip it down to one, two, maybe three or four at most people Uh, either because of technology or because of trying to accommodate, you know, uh, in the facility and trying to take precautions and all of that. Um, So I'm I'm trying to, I guess what I'm trying to think through, I guess, as I'm answering this is um, I think the biggest change in the pandemic as far as the curating piece of it is just the most obvious, not being able to gather physically and actually – it's a challenge that pastors and other leaders are facing, business leaders and the communities are like, how do I lead people? How do I work with people um, given the restrictions? Now, even though a lot of things, you know, in Sioux Falls anyways are, are lifting and starting to lift in other places, uh, we don't know what it's going to look like moving forward. So I think, the, I think the thing that, you know, that we'd be wise to do is to continue to think about how can we be intentional uh, and how we're leading, how we're having conversations, how we're leading the team, how we're caring for people. Because that's, I mean, back to the, the root meaning of, of curating is to care for, you know. And so how are we caring for, the? how are we caring for ourselves as leaders, taking care of ourselves? How are we caring, caring for the team that we're giving leadership and oversight to? Uh, and then also how are we caring for the people uh, in, the, in our communities um, and whatever way, whatever it looks like in the context we're in, whether we're streaming or we're pre-recording content or whether we're sending out handouts for small groups or discussion questions or whatever it is, it's, it just comes back to how are we caring for people and reaching out and connecting with people and, and leading um, people in that, you know, really, I guess what I'd say, authentic worship and really being true uh, to ourselves and how God is leading us in this time. Would you say that during this time, being a curator of worship is harder, it's more difficult, or is it is it easier, or is it flexing different muscles during this time? Yes, that's all. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, for I think it totally depends on people's personalities. I've come across. Uh, I'm I'm kind of right in the middle, as you know, as far as introvert extrovert and that kind of thing. Um, when I think about I don't know how I get my energy and what, how I'm filled up and that sort of a thing. Some people are just thriving during 
the isolation and quarantine and are like, well, you know, wow, they call this lifestyle quarantine. Like I'm, you know, this is my daily rhythm or whatever it is. Uh, and other people are just like dying. And uh, unfortunately, like even like, you know, mental illness and suicide and stuff has been, you know, a real issue, especially during this time for people who really need that social interaction. Um, so I'd say in a lot, probably more cases than not, it's been a lot more difficult because because um, that's church. Like that's, you know, getting together and breaking bread together and gathering together, remembering together. Like um, I, don't, I don't think that we could really maintain or sustain uh, our communities in a virtual um, and online format and, and make that a central platform or discipline. Like, I don't think that that would be healthy or wise for the church. I think that that we should definitely consider how, as, you know, technology as a tool would, you know, help us, you know, move forward in, you know, discipleship and growing in community and fellowship. But um, so long, long answer, yeah, I think it's in a lot of different ways. I think it's been a lot harder in most cases. But for some people, I think it's... Um, they really have thrived in, in ways too. So, you touched on this a moment ago, but what do you what do you hope is here to stay, and what do you imagine is going to fall away um, after this season? Great question. Um, well, you were you were just mentioning about how um, discipleship can be. It can be done online, but it's not perhaps at its best when it's online. Mm-hmm. And and even worship is can be done online, but it's not at its best when it's yeah solely online. I think I, this isn't very specific. Maybe because it you know I'll try and give a couple specific examples for me because um, I don't know if I could pinpoint like I hope these things specifically stay. Um, but. Um, I think the idea of reflecting during this time, I think we would be pretty foolish to just come out of this and like think that we're going to go back to the way it was or something like, yeah, maybe it'll be similar, but I think we also need to continue like thinking forward instead of like the golden days or like the way it used to be. We can't wait to go back because the reality is as you know, people of God, like God is doing a new thing and he's always calling us forward into something new. Um, so my hope would be that we would just, really, in, you know, intentionally ask the question, you know, always, you know, especially coming out of this time or during this uh, season, um, how, uh, how is the technology, um, the different aspects of technology, how are they being tools for us instead of <laughs> being a tool to technology, <laughs> I guess, or whatever, or being tools, you know, ourselves? Because um, that's the problem, like, that we've, you, you know, we mentioned this a few minutes ago, and you talked about this, how... Um, you know, I think we too, you know, too often maybe there's been trends in worship and technology that have just kind of become like, oh, that's the latest thing. Like, for example, in-ear monitors, tracks and click and things like that. That's like every church should all be doing now because it's the latest trend. Well, I don't think that that's true. I think that they can be helpful in a lot of churches, but not all churches um, in different different ways. So, um, for me specifically, I think just talking about discipleship and how, like, how we're living out in community, like, the thing that I hope stays is that, um, for me personally, I've noticed, like, how, um, 
I think God puts different people on my mind uh, during the season. Now, maybe that'll look different when we're seeing people more in person. Um, but, but I hope that that, like, what community and discipleship has looked like during this time, hopefully for some people, you know, God has stirred that up in different ways. For some people, maybe it hasn't changed a lot. But I know for me, uh, how I've reached out to people and connected with people and encouraged people through text or uh, email or phone calls, you know, the phone calls. Like some people, I know. What are those? I know that's not totally, like that's <laughs> not true for everybody. Some people totally, you know, make a lot of phone calls all the time. I find myself not doing that a lot. But more recently, uh, again, like I've been drawn to this idea of like calling somebody know and talking to them so I hope that that there's a sense of personal connectedness that I think has been um, in a lot of ways deepened during this season that I hope stays Um, and from a tech side like maybe just a real practical thing like I I do hope that uh, I do hope that the a lot of the churches will continue to be able to stream and record stuff at a sustainable in a sustainable way I think that'll be a really great added value for people that, you know, a lot of churches, I mean, I heard this, I can't tell you how many times, but uh, churches that have been talking about, right, for years and years about, yeah, someday, like, you know, we should work towards streaming, but they just didn't have the proper resources or knowledge or, you know, people, whatever, to be able to do that. Uh, And now, you know, a lot of us... um, have been forced into that or, or decided not necessarily forced in every case. But so I think that that, you know, can be a really big benefit to not only to the church and uh, people maybe who aren't able to make it to church shut-ins or people, uh, especially in this season who are, you know, maybe sick or uh, unable or not, you know, um, not comfortable coming to church yet when churches start to gather again, that's going to be a huge tool and huge benefit for churches. Seth, I have one last question here, and this is a question I typically ask people toward the end. In thinking back over your 15, 20 years of leading worship, if you had to go back and you had advice to give to your 18-year-old or 20-year-old worship-leading self, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Get over yourself. (laughs) You know, I've heard that from a number of people. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's even in worship school and you know, classes, training that I've done. I mean, that's been like literally, well, in Shift 115, that was our namesake, you know, um, the ministry, you know, Psalm 115, one, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Um, it's not about us. So get over yourself. And so that was literally like how I would describe, like as a ministry when we're working with churches and leaders was um, helping people in worship leadership to get over themselves, right? But not that, that's not the end. That's the beginning, right, towards um, living a life and, and leading in a way in, in our lives and in our churches and ministries that we're pointing people to Christ, that it's Christ-centered worship, Christ-centered lifestyle. Um, so specifically, though, I mean, yeah, I would totally, I mean, that's what I would probably say, but um, you're not that big of a deal, you know. But I would also say, like, hey, it's okay. Like, don't be so hard on yourself, you know, because that's the big thing. Like, when I was 18, I can look back and compare myself and, like, whoa, like, why? Or like, it's like, don't talk so much, listen more. That would be another thing, like talk less, listen more. Um, so yeah, those are some thoughts anyways. that Those are great thoughts. I, get over yourself. That 
Hashtag get over yourself. Get over yourself. <laughs> That's a good motto for yeah. us as Christians. Mm-hmm. Get over ourselves. Uh, there's bigger, bigger things going on. Well, Seth, this has been uh, very informative. I, I just love it when we get together and talk and talk about worship because you're just so knowledgeable about it and you have such a passion and a deep love for genuine, authentic worship that's not putting on a mask or, or, or trying to portray worship as something other than like what you said with Shift 115, that just bring glory to God, whether it's in our homes, in uh, our, our life with our family, or whether it's in our discipleship groups or small groups, or whether it's in a large gathering. Um, that's what I, I appreciate, your, your heart and your passion for uh, discipleship and for bringing glory to God. So, ditto. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Seth, for being being with us today. How can people get in contact with you if they have any questions? Well, um, that's, that's a great question. Is um, there a best way for them to, like, uh, maybe reach out to you if they need yeah, some video I mean, stuff or they need some questions done about uh, questions about tech stuff? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, to plug, you know, what I'm doing right now, Traveler Media is my just small small business that started as a kind of a tent-making business for ministry. But um, so that's kind of my primary work right now. So uh, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or something, you can look up Traveler Media, um, Traveler Media SD, or, or you can just contact me directly at Seth at TravelerMediaSD.com. Uh, look me up on Facebook or, or online or something and you can reach out to me that way. And I'd love to help. I, I'm passionate about helping, um, connecting with people uh, in a very relational approach, asking questions, um, doing interviews and helping people tell their stories. So whether that's personally in a business and ministry, uh, that's my passion in, in, you know, through video production and photography and stuff um, is helping people tell their story. I appreciate that, Seth. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you.